What a beautiful weekend we have had, and what a beautiful day it is. We're glad that you're here with us this morning. Aren't you thankful for songs that share truth with you? I I hear these songs, and I think of the truth of Scripture and how someone has put them into words so that we can sing, and we were singing the gospel there of how Christ was died, was buried, and raised again, and that's what we must believe in order to have a relationship with God. So welcome to you this morning. John and Karen are out today, and so uh, I'm going to be preaching this morning. I think I've met everyone here. We have some guests here today. I'm Pastor Brian. If you're joining us online for the first time, welcome to Trinity. We're so glad that you decided to join us today. Well, if you were a Bulldog fan, it was a pretty good weekend, <clears throat> but... If you're a Hokie or a Cavalier, it was kind of rough, wasn't it? So, uh, but now on to something more important. <laughs> Aren't you glad there's something more important than football? Although I love football. But uh, yesterday was Saturday. This was Sunday, so we'll move on to that. But uh, we're glad that we can have things in life that we have in common and things that we enjoy. Well, let me ask you something. Could you use one more message from Joseph? Well, I hope so, because that's what I have this morning, okay? So you can join me in Genesis 45 if you're joining us online or if you're here for the first time. Back in August, I did a four-message series from Genesis on the life of Joseph. And it was a back-to-school series for students and for teachers and for parents and for all of us, really, because we learned some things from Joseph's life that are very practical that we can use in our lives. And uh, there, there are about 15 chapters on the life of Joseph uh, in, in Scripture, and so, or 14, and so God must have thought his life was important because he gave us a lot of detail. So I'm going to go back to Joseph one more time this morning. This is a message that I think is so critical for, for us, for me, for you, for the day in which we live And I hope that God speaks to your heart this morning. We've looked at bullies, we've looked at temptation, we've looked at friends, we've looked at choices. uh, All important things for all of us, but especially when you're younger and you're making decisions like Joseph did that will affect the rest of your life. And we do that as adults too. But especially uh, when we're younger, we want to make good choices and good decisions. So, we started this series about 20 years ago chronologically, okay? Uh, And we're going to pick up this morning. I'm I'm going to um, skip over a portion because I couldn't do it all, but uh, we're going to land in chapter 45 this morning here in a moment. Let's see. There's my clicker, and uh, let me get it turned on, and we'll be going here. Now, let me catch you up, okay? In case case you're brand new or you're like, I missed part of it, or I just came this morning, I'm joining this morning. At the age of 17, Satan tried to destroy Joseph's life. Uh, If you know the story, and if you don't, I'll give you the highlights. He was hated by his brothers, sold into slavery. They thought about killing him until the oldest brother spoke up and said, we're not going to do that. So what did they do? They sold him into slavery. They sold him to a traveling group of Ishmaelites, or what we would call Arabs these days, and they took him uh, and sold him. And of course, he landed in Potiphar's house, a very wealthy man. Potiphar soon trusted Joseph 
at a very young age with everything in his house, his checkbook, his wife, everything. And if you know the story, she tried to make a move on Joseph, which he refused. And when he refused, she lied about him and he was thrown in prison. What's that all about? You try to do right and uh, you wind up being punished for it. Well, stay with the story, okay? Sometimes we have experiences in life that we think that was the worst experience I ever had. And it is hard. But what happens in time when you begin to look back? You begin to realize, you know what? That did something for me. At the time, it was difficult. But God did something in my life during that process, during that suffering, during that very difficult time that I wouldn't want to go through again, but I wouldn't have missed it for anything because of what God did in my life. That's the life of Joseph. He went through some difficult times. So in prison, he meets a couple of guys, the baker and the butler, and they have dreams, and he interprets the dreams. One, one guy had a good outcome. He was going to be restored to his uh, former job. What happened to the other one? Well, it wasn't so good, was it? So he's in prison, and the, the fellow who is released, Joseph says, Bro, just remember me when we get out of here, okay? Yeah, I'll remember. I'll never forget you. Well, time passed. He forgets Joseph until Joseph is needed to interpret Pharaoh's dream. Remember, Pharaoh, lots of dreams in this story. Pharaoh had a dream. What was the dream? Seven skinny cows came up out of the river, devoured seven fat cows, but they were still skinny. What in the world did that mean? He asked everybody in the land. Nobody could interpret the dream. But suddenly, they remembered Joseph in prison and his God. And they brought him forth. He interpreted the dream. And what was the dream? Well, there's going to be seven years of plenty, the fat cows, seven years of drought, and we need to get prepared. And so Pharaoh said, okay, Joseph, I'm going to put you in charge. Brought him, put him at the age of 28 or 29, 30, somewhere along there, as number two in the land of Egypt. Only God could do something like that. And so now we find Joseph in Egypt and the famine begins to take place. We're two years into the famine and suddenly no one has anything to eat, including Joseph's family, his brothers. And I'll, I'm going to let you go home this afternoon and read the rest of it, okay? You can do that in between football or whatever you're going to do today. But don't forget to come back here at 5 o'clock tonight because Christopher's going to be speaking this evening. We want to come and hear what uh, God's going to say through him. So come back at 5, student ministry, and we'll gather here at 5 o'clock for an hour, and then uh, we'll go on our way. But uh, you, can, you can read the rest of the story. But I am in Genesis 45 this morning. Would you join me there? I don't have it on the screen, but uh, you probably have it there in your hand or some way that you can read. If not, just listen, okay? Sometimes it's nice just to listen to God's Word and listen to someone else read. So I'm in Genesis 45. Then Joseph could not restrain himself. Before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Now let me stop there. 
I've skipped some material here, but here's what's happening. After 15 or 20 years, he's revealing himself to his brother. They didn't even know he was alive. You know, he, he revealed himself through an interpreter, but they didn't know him if you read the story. But now he's revealing himself to these brothers who sold him into slavery, who wanted to kill him at one point in his life. Verse 2, very emotional time. He wept aloud, so loud that the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But notice the bullies. They couldn't say a word. They couldn't answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please, come near to me. So they came near. And he said, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now, do not, be therefore, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. There's a lot in that verse. So, verse 8, It was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh, and the Lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout the land of Egypt, hurry, go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt, come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near to me, you and your children, your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you, for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty, for there are still five years of famine. And behold your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. So you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you've seen, and you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Then he wept, or he, then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brothers, and he wept over them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. Now the report of it was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brothers have come, so it pleased Pharaoh and his servants well. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, do this, load your animals and depart, go to the land of Canaan, bring your father and your households and come to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you will eat of the fat of the land. Now you're commanded, do this. Take carts out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and your wives. Bring your father and come. Also do not be concerned about your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Wow. Then the sons of Israel did so. And Joseph gave them carts according to the command of Pharaoh, and he gave them provisions for the journey. He gave to, to all of them, to each man, changes of garments. But to Benjamin, 
He gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. And he sent to his father these things. Ten donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt. Ten female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and food for his father for the journey. So he sent his brothers away, and they departed, and he said to them, See that you do not become troubled along the way. And then they went up out of Egypt, came to the land of Canaan, to Jacob their father, and told him, saying, Joseph is alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them. Interpretive comment here. Why would he believe a bunch of liars? His own sons. But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived. Then Israel or Jacob said, it's enough. Joseph my son is still alive, and I will go and see him before I die. I was inclined to read about five chapters, but for sake of time, I couldn't do that. But I, I love this story. People say the Bible is boring. You ever watch one of those TV shows where somebody's reunited with, reunited with their family after years and years? Or maybe they didn't even know they had family. All the emotion that comes... When they realize they have a brother or a sister or they've been separated at birth or sometime and, and you see all this emotion come rushing in. You can just imagine what was going on in, in Joseph and his brothers as they were reunited. But the, the way that God did it was amazing. Now, the bullies got dealt with in the previous chapters to this. and I love the way that God did that and the way Joseph did it. But, When God brought Joseph's brothers to Egypt from Canaan, he was in a place of great power. In fact, he could have done anything he wanted to with them. He could have thrown them in prison. He could have had them put to death. He could have sent them away and said, I have nothing for you, go home and starve. He could have done all those things, could he not? He was the, the prime minister, maybe the second person in command under Pharaoh. Whatever he said happened. All he had to do was say it and it would happen. So he had a lot of things that he could do with his brothers. I should have uh, brought a picture of this this morning, but have you ever seen the illustration of a turtle on a fence post? You ever heard of that? You know, a, a box turtle is on a fence post. And his legs are like this. He can't. And the caption says, he didn't get there by himself. I've seen that used in all kinds of applications. George, you've probably seen it in business and other places that, you know, whatever happens in life, you didn't do it on your own. You might have had a part in it. You may have worked hard. But God has a way of placing us where he wants us and when he wants us. And here is Joseph in a position that by his own testimony, he now says, it was God that put me here. It wasn't me. 
So there's a lot of responsibility when God puts you somewhere, especially when you have unlimited power. Because when you have unlimited power, who you really are comes out. When you can do anything you please, and when you're in a position where you can say jump, and people have to jump and say how high, or they just don't come to work the next day. I don't know what people do these days, but... Um, when you're in that kind of position, there's a lot of responsibility. You know, you, you make decisions every day that affect people's lives. And if you have a heart, you struggle with that, don't you, when you're in leadership. So here's Joseph. God has put him in an unbelievable place, a place of tremendous power. And his choices are not over. In fact... Some of his most important choices are just beginning. You never quit making choices in life, do you? And they never get any less important or carry any less weight. Don't think you got, you're at a point in life where it doesn't matter what choice. You never reach that point. If you do, you will make a huge mistake. So here's Joseph. He's made a lot of good choices, but here he's going through another test. Test after test after test after test. Life is a series of tests. And God tests us, and then he uh, challenges us, and when we pass the test, he rewards us, and he tests us again. And you see this in Joseph's life over and over and over. Here is probably the biggest test he has ever faced so far. Now you say, wait a minute. He's done a lot of things. He's going to save a lot of people's lives. He, look at all, yes, but this is probably his greatest test. And when I share it with you, you're going to find out it's probably your greatest test in life. See, God had put Joseph in a, a place for a reason. And, uh, advancing back there, there you go, my fault. What, what I want to talk to you about this morning is the power of forgiveness. You may be sitting here this morning thinking, I have no power to forgive anyone at all. But I hope by the end of this message you realize you have all the power. You know, Joseph, who, who had been mistreated more than Joseph? Well, Hardly anyone. Here he is with the power to do whatever he needs to or wants to to get even. But he's going to make a choice to forgive. Well, what happens when we forgive? Well, Joseph learned some things here. His brothers learned some things. His whole family learned some things because they're about to be saved, literally, physically, because uh, God has placed Joseph where he is. But Joseph's brothers... His estranged brothers. Now think about this. How would you like to have had all that guilt and all that weight for 15 or 20 years knowing that you had lied to your father? Collectively, they're all involved in this. Every day they must have thought about it. You know what happens when you tell one lie? You have to tell another lie to cover and then you have to remember what lie. Can you imagine all these guys covering all these lies all these years? Imagine all the weight that they were carrying. And you can imagine the, the emotion that they felt when they met Joseph. What do you think the first emotion was? Fear. We've had it. And they deserved it, didn't they? 
They deserved it. But when Joseph reveals himself and, and he opens his heart to, to them and he reveals how God has worked in his heart through this process, it's amazing what God does in this family. Only God can do this, by the way. But we have to make the right choices in order to allow God to do this through us and to do this for us. So, the greatest decision that Joseph made so far was the decision to forgive his brothers. You know the story. You know all that's happened. And God is testing him. And here he is with the opportunity to do whatever he wants to do. But he chooses to forgive. Now when we choose to forgive, here's what happens. I'm going to take my time here because I want you to let this soak in and I want you to think of your family, where you live, people that you know, people that you have estranged relationships with of all kinds. And I think this is going to be one of the most practical, I hope, messages that you've ever heard and hopefully one of the greatest challenges. When you choose to forgive others, especially when they have wronged you and haven't asked for forgiveness... Here's what happens. First of all, forgiveness restores the closeness we once had. Now think about that. Is your family torn apart? Uh, I know because we all live in this life. I have issues in my life and family. So do you. And things happen and and it seems like these days they happen so quickly and people have such a short trigger and they're just so quick to react and to get angry and to, to separate and divide. But when we choose to forgive, now the power to forgive was in Joseph. When he chose to forgive his brothers, he restored the closeness they once had. Or at least he attempted to do that. And over time it happened, but it took time. But I want you to look at uh, uh, verse 45, verse 4. Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near me. Who took the initiative there? Well, it was Joseph. He had to. You say, now wait a minute. He was the victim. I'm the victim. You don't know what someone's done to me. You don't know what my parents have done to me. You don't know what my spouse has done to me. You don't know what my sibling has done to me, my friend, my neighbor, my fellow church member. It goes on and on and on, doesn't it? This is where we live. Maybe it was their choice. Maybe it was like Joseph's brothers. They really intended to hurt you. Because they hated you. You might think that you're in a weak position because you're the victim. But you're in the most powerful position you have ever been in. As a victim. As someone who has been hurt. You're in a position to forgive. You say, now wait a minute. They haven't asked me for forgiveness. Uh, they don't deserve forgiveness. How can I forgive? Well, are you ready? 
Here's how you can forgive. Because God has forgiven you. And I've asked people before, when they're angry with someone and someone was hurt, has hurt them, and, and you have to be careful because you can't just blurt this out in the first conversation, but here's the bottom line. What has anyone done to you that you haven't already done to God? Now let that sink in. You know, in our sin, God says we're His enemies. You know, we're, we're godless. We're opposed to everything that is good and that He has done. And, and when we come to know the Lord and our heart is changed, and suddenly we realize how God, good God is and how forgiving God is, uh, suddenly, we, we, if, if we really understand where we are and where we were, we realize God is awesome to forgive me of all that I've done against Him. If you don't realize that, then you don't see your life like God says in Scripture. You know, we're sinners, we're enemies against God, we've opposed Him. And then for God to say on the basis of the work of His Son on the cross and our faith and what He's done for us, that we're forgiven of everything and God will never bring it up again. Wow, what, what an amazing change that comes in our lives. And we realize all those things I've done to God, He said they're forgiven. They're not only forgiven, they will never be brought up again. If you struggle with sin of the past and it's under the blood of Christ... Don't struggle with it because God says He will never bring it up again and you shouldn't either. Let it go. What a wonderful truth. But then we think about our own lives and people who offend us. There are a lot of stories in Scripture about how we treat others who offend us once we've been forgiven. And they're tough. They're real tough. And this is one of them. So we haven't done... Uh, no one has done anything to us that we haven't first done to God. Yet He forgives. Now, how does God forgive? Well, let me give you some ways that He forgives. He forgives readily. He's ready to forgive. He's not a God who's holding uh, out vengeance and waiting to judge us and and crush us. He's a God who is ready to forgive. He forgives readily. He forgives continually. He forgives freely. He forgives forgetfully. He forgives eagerly. He forgives aggressively. He forgives willingly. He forgives completely. He forgives totally. He forgives knowingly. And we could go on and on and on and on. And here's one of the amazing things. He knows me, yet He forgives me anyway. And why does God do that? Because He chooses to. It's His choice. He's God. He, could have, he destroyed the earth one time with those who opposed Him. He could do it like that anytime, but He's long-suffering and He's willing to forgive. That's who God is. And we see His forgiveness and how willing He is if people would only turn to Him and receive His forgiveness. That's our God. And He's portrayed here in the life of Joseph because Joseph knows who He is. So, 
How does God forgive? All those ways and many more. And as he tested Joseph, he's also testing us because if you don't hear anything else in this message, I want you to hear this. When you choose to forgive, you are never more like God. But the opposite is true. Now this is tough to hear. Especially if someone has hurt you deeply. But when you choose not to forgive, you are never more unlike God. Let me repeat that. When you choose to forgive, you're never more like God, but when you choose not to forgive, you're not ever more unlike God. Joseph didn't have to forgive. He chose to forgive. Why? Because God had forgiven him. And as a result of his forgiveness of his brothers, the, the closeness that they once had was restored. Something else happened when uh, he chose to forgive. Forgiveness also reclaims the relationships that we once had. Think about that. We don't think Joseph was very close with his stepbrothers, but he was very close with his full brother, Benjamin. He was very close with his father. As a result of the sin of his brothers against him, they had been separated all these years. His father thought he was dead. Benjamin thought he would never see him again. The rest of them hoped they would never see him again. But when they saw him, suddenly the relationships that they had were reclaimed. Now, can you imagine not seeing your family all this time and then... When you do, all this emotion comes rushing back. You have the power to do anything you want to, and yet God works in your heart and says, here's what you should do. You should forgive them so that you can reclaim those relationships that have been destroyed by sin. That's what God does when we forgive. That's something only God can do. But we must on the basis of what He's done for us, have a forgiving heart like God has and be willing to forgive before those relationships. And I don't want to overpromise here. They may never be restored. You may forgive someone. You may reach out and they may reject. And that those, But it's not on you. It's on them, right? Because you've forgiven. You've, you've, in your heart, you have forgiven them and you have asked God to reclaim those relationships. Now, it takes a big man to forgive. It takes a big person to forgive. You know, here's Joseph. Who could be any bigger than him in his position? Well, he could have been a little man and chosen not to forgive, to retaliate, to get even. But as God worked in his heart, it takes a, a big person to do especially when they didn't even ask for forgiveness. He forgave anyway. Did you know you can do that? Did you know you had better do that? Did you know it's healthy for you to do that so that you're no longer the victim? In your heart, you can forgive people whether they deserve it or not, whether they ask you or not. You can say in your heart before God, God, you have forgiven me and on the basis of your forgiveness of me because 
There's so many things I've done. I'm going to forgive others who've done. I'm going to do it for your glory. I'm going to do it for their sake and for the sake of the relationship. But I'm going to do it for my own spiritual health. Because it will ruin you if you refuse to forgive. You're the one that will lose. Forgiveness does some things. It restores. It can reclaim. Let me remind you of this. It reminds us of who we are and our need for forgiveness. You know, I, I could ask for a show of hands of perfect people in here, but I wouldn't want anybody to embarrass themselves by raising their hand because we know there aren't any, don't we? Or do we? Sometimes we compare ourselves with other people and that becomes the standard and we think, well, I'm better than that person, I'm better than that, I must be a pretty good person. Well, let me uh, give you another task. Compare yourself with Almighty God and you'll fall on your face very quickly realizing what a sinful person you are. By the way, if you came in this morning and you're new or you're watching online, you wonder what kind of people are here at Trinity, I'll tell you this, we're all sinners. From the pulpit to the back of the church, and it, we're all sinners all around the church. That's what the Bible says. We believe God because we know ourselves. We are all sinners. None of us is any worse than anybody else. None of us is any better than anybody else. So if you walked in here thinking, everybody in here is better than me, that is not so. We're all the same. You know, at the foot of the cross, we're all the same, aren't we? All we can do is fall on our faces and cry out to God for help. Joseph knew that. You know, with all the wrongs that had been done to him, he could have compared himself and said, well, I, I did, didn't do this, and I didn't do this, and I, didn't do, and I did this, and I did You know what you call that? That's self-righteousness. And it's a trap because it will keep you out of heaven. You can always find somebody else that makes you look good or somebody else to compare yourself to and think, well, I'm probably okay here because I'm... That's a trap. That's a trap of Satan to keep you from coming to the end of yourself and realizing, no, only God is holy. I am sinful. All I can do is fall on my face before Him and beg for His mercy and forgiveness, which He gives how? So many ways, which I just read earlier. He's ready. He's ready. But until you do that, you see Joseph's humility here. Uh, he, he didn't think that he was better than his brothers, although he hadn't done all the things he did, he realized, you know, I need forgiveness, so I'm in need of forgiving others because they are in a position to need it. And it reminds us of our own need for forgiveness. So, no one in this room is worse than anybody else. No one in this room is better. And if you think you are, you know it's pride that got us in the mess that we're in, basically, <laughs> with Satan, with Adam, who disobeyed God. And that's where you're headed without Jesus and without repentance and without realizing that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, in need of salvation and a Savior who provided it for you, and a God who is willing to give it to you for the receiving. 
Amen? Amen. 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 So, forgiveness does some things. It takes a big person to forgive. But it's a spiritual, spiritually mature person who forgives. We see the maturity of Joseph. And he's matured through all these hard things he's been through to become a very gracious person. His power didn't cause him to be a hard person and a dictator. His power and his responsibility before God made him become a very compassionate person and willing to meet the needs of people around and not use people and to promote himself. No, he became a compassionate. Only God can do that. Powerful people don't naturally do that. They go the other way, don't they? But look at what God had done in Joseph's life now forgiveness does a lot of things and here's one more it can forget it can redeem the forgiveness can redeem the time that has been stolen do you have relationships that have been broken for a long time and you grieve because time has passed people have grown older people have died And you weren't able to reconcile. And now your heart longs for that reconciliation. You wish wish somehow the relationship, if, if you haven't lived that long, you will. Well, you can't do anything about the past, and you sure can't do anything when people are gone, but you can do something about the present. And forgiveness redeems the time that strife has stolen. Strife is a thief because the father of strife is Satan who is a thief. He came to steal and destroy and that's what he loves to do and that's what he's doing in families and that's what he's doing in our country. He's destroying because that's who he is. But God is a great restorer of relationships and he can even do something that we can't do. He can restore time. What does Joseph say in verse number 9? One word. First word in, in the New King James at least. What does he say? Hurry! Hurry! Go get my father so I can see him before he dies. It's urgent. Here's Joseph. He probably, a man in his position may have known But maybe he didn't know if his father was alive or dead. Jacob doesn't know if Joseph is alive or dead. In fact, he thinks he's dead because his brothers have allowed him to believe that and led him to believe that. So what is so urgent? Well, time is urgent because right now I want to see my father. I want to see all of your children and all that's happened in these 15 or 20 years that I haven't been able to be a part of. You're my family. I want you to bring them all here. And look what God has done. He has orchestrated this famine so that now you're going to have to come here and live. And I want you to come here. And, and he tells about how they're going to have the best of the land. And Pharaoh says, Joseph, this is your family. They're going to have the best. Don't bring anything. You just come and live. So Joseph can't wait to see his father. It'll take a long time for them to go back and to come there. It'll take weeks if not months. So time is 
of the essence. Time is passing. How much time has passed since COVID began? You know, we, we kind of measure things by events, don't we? And we forget how much time... People have aged. People have died. Things have happened. People have been isolated. Maybe it's time for you to go and say to someone who has sinned against you, I forgive you because God has forgiven me and time is of the essence. I have to do it as soon as I leave this building today. The power of forgiveness. You have it. You may have come in here this morning thinking I'm a victim. Everybody's done this against me. So-and-so's done this against me. I hope you change your mind and leave here today thinking, no, I'm not a victim. I'm in a very powerful position to do what no one else can do because of what God has done for me. I'm able to forgive other people who have hurt me who do not deserve forgiveness. But I'm going to forgive them anyway. Because God has forgiven me. And ask God to redeem the time. Now bow with me this morning. Bow with me. I don't know what you brought in the room today, but I can guess because my life's not all that different from yours. You know, there are broken relationships. There are relationships with people you were once close to. Forget how it happened, why it happened. What's God asking you to do this morning? Well, I'll tell you the first thing He's asking you to do is in your heart as you sit there with your head bowed, He's asking you to forgive them. Do they deserve it? Probably not. Have they asked you? Probably not. But as a believer and as a person who is imprisoned right now, by all these thoughts against other people and what they've done to you, you can set yourself free right now by saying, God, as you have forgiven me, I am going to forgive them. In Jesus' name, as you have forgiven me, I'm going to forgive others in my heart, whether they ever ask, whether they ever know it. I have the power that you have given me in my heart to set myself free and to set them free as Joseph set his brothers free. What a beautiful picture. And look what God did. He brought peace to that family. He brought rest to that family. He brought closeness back to that family. He restored relationships. He redeemed the time that strife, that sin had. And all because... Joseph made the right choice to forgive. That's always the right choice. And as you sit here this morning, I'm going to challenge you in your hearts to forgive someone who's hurt you as God has forgiven you. Now, with your heads bowed, you may be here and you find it hard to forgive or you say, I can't forgive. Well, let me ask you something. Could it be because you have never been forgiven? You know, when we haven't experienced this forgiveness of God, we can't relate to how anybody can forgive someone else of such a crime as they... But when you have experienced that forgiveness of God for what you've done, then you can 
understand. God is compassionate and He's put within me the ability to be compassionate as well and forgiving. And with our heads bowed this morning, we haven't done this in a while, but heads bowed. Christopher, would you just, uh, Christian, I'm sorry, would you just play something this morning quietly and maybe in this quiet moment, you need to just slip up to the front here and publicly say to God, no one's looking, our heads are bowed, this is between you and God. But maybe you would feel led this morning to come up and get on your knees here before God if you're able and say, today I'm going to forgive this person. God, you know my heart. You know the pain. You know the relationship and what's happened. But with the power that you've given me through the forgiveness of my sins, I'm going to forgive someone else. You can come and do that. You don't have to come. You can forgive them right where you are. But maybe God would impress upon your heart this morning. Before Him, I want to make this public with God that I'm doing this today as a result of His command and His compassion. Maybe you're here and you've never been forgiven. Maybe you're watching us online today and you've never been forgiven by God and the weight of your sin is so heavy. He wants to take that weight immediately. He's ready. He's aggressive. He's, he's loving. He wants to take the weight of your sin. The moment you place your faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, and His work on the cross, He will do that. That weight will be totally lifted from you. The weight of all the sin of your life has been placed under the blood of Jesus. For the receiving. Will you receive it today? It's free. The Christian said that's one thing that makes it so hard. How could, how could something so... Life-changing be free because we have a great God who has made it available to us through a great sacrifice, by the way, the sacrifice of His Son. But it's available. I hope you'll receive Him today. Father, we thank You, first of all, for who You are. This story is all about You. It's not about Joseph. It's about you from beginning to end. Because we see who you are. And we see what you do in Joseph's life along the way so that he can become who you want him to be because you put him in that place for a purpose, for your glory, and for the good of others. And that's our life. You put us where you put it, placed us for your glory and for the good of others. And we want to obey. Sometimes we're disobedient because we don't know better, but now we do know better. We know what you're asking us to do based upon what you have done for us. Lord, would you free us from the prisons that we hold ourselves in? Being victims, being unwilling to forgive, unable to forgive... It's not easy to forgive. It wasn't easy for you. But you forgave us anyway. And it certainly wasn't easy for your son who gave his life so that we could be forgiven. Thank you for the truth of the gospel that frees us from sin and self and from the prison of unforgiveness. 
May we take advantage of it today as you work in our hearts. And Father, may we not be able to forget what we've heard this morning until we do what you ask us to do today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.